A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. When cranberries are the number one fruit in the state, you bet there's a team of scientists ready to assist growers with challenges such as pest and disease management. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Allison John-Jack is the cranberry outreach specialist for UW-Madison's Division of Extension. What I think is unique about your position is that you actually bring people together after the harvest is over and you actually talk about issues that growers see in the field and then you develop your research projects around those issues. What are some of the stuff that that you're seeing? I have been seeing a lot of our growers are obviously very uh, connected and very interested and they when you ask what is your biggest problem this year they always immediately have an answer oh it was this I've never seen this before and I didn't know what to do about it Um, in this past year the blunt nose leafhopper is a common well leafhoppers are very common but particularly the blunt nose leafhopper is important to cranberry growers because it transmits a disease um, that that is not curable so the only way to prevent this disease is to not have leafhoppers around and we didn't have a lot of experience uh, with blunt nose leafhoppers. They were a problem in the 30s and they hadn't been since then. So when growers started to notice these blunt nose leafhoppers in their in their sweeps, we said, wow, what's this? What's its life cycle? How do I manage it? Do I manage it better before blossom or after blossom? Um, how many how many eggs does each female lay? And so after hearing all those questions, we did a lot of research this year um, targeted specifically toward that pest that everyone had a lot of questions about. Um, that's just one example. There's also people are always curious about the best time to do fertilizer applications. Um, we're very particular with cranberry nutrients. We want to get the right amount in the right place at the right time and knowing when the cranberry plant is going to uptake nutrients and turn those nutrients into fruit versus turn those nutrients into roots versus turn those nutrients into leaves. Um, so we've been doing research on the uh, the best time to make fertilizer applications to encourage root growth um, since that's uh, you know yet uncharted territory and we're getting some really good results there as well. Yeah, some of those results, uh, we can get a little bit into the weeds here, but uh, is to fertilize after harvest because that's when the roots are developing? Yeah, that's a really neat uh, feature of perennial crops is that they are planted and then they continue to produce fruit for you know 20 years. On my, my parents' farm, we still have some vines that were planted in 1939 and they're still producing with careful management. And uh, so those plants in the spring are waking up and uh, you know rejuvenating the tissues that they built last fall. Um, over the summer, they're producing the blossom, they're producing the fruit, they're produ- setting next year's bud. And then we're realizing that in the the after harvest time is actually when they're developing a lot of root growth. So we have been doing research lately to put on a little bit of fertilizer just after harvest uh, to develop roots to have stronger plants for the coming year. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned your parents' farm because you have a background in agriculture. Yeah, I grew up on a cranberry farm. Um, I'm a third generation cranberry farmer, so my grandfather started our farm in 39. Um, and then I went to uh, University of Minnesota for my undergrad in ag engineering, the University of Nebraska for my master's in agroengineering, specifically precision agriculture. And then I spent the last seven years in row crops, um, working with corn and soy and wheat and, uh, and canola and cotton. And when I heard that the University of Wisconsin was creating this cranberry outreach specialist position that would be part, you know, part research and part outreach um, and in cranberries, I said, oh gosh, I get to come home. This is great. Uh, so I was you know, immediately signed up for, for the interviews for that. 
What's interesting is that when we think of precision agriculture, we do think of row crops. But it's in cranberry production as well. It's a huge part of cranberry production. Absolutely. Um, cranberry growers care just about every individual square foot um, in, in a way that, you know, we, we really know our marshes like the back of our hand. And we don't have the GPS uh, captured harvest data the way row crop people do. And so they do a little bit more um, statistically based or number crunching kind of precision agriculture that, that uses a lot of technology. We are right up close and personal. Our, our marshes are small enough that we really know square foot by square foot. It's enough information to fit in your head, um, but we manage very carefully. Um, we are aware of uh, insect hotspots or uh, or disease hotspots, and we'll do precise treatments just of those specific areas. Um, we're very careful about our nutrient applications, and we know if we have beds that have higher organic matter, um, we, we can back off our fertilizer applications because the soil's organic matter is churning fresh nutrients for our cranberries, so we will actually reduce our inputs based on our uh, organic matter levels in soil. Um, everything that we do is tailored, you know, square foot or smaller. Well, because every berry counts is kind of the word uh, we've been hearing here at Gainer Cranberry Farm in Wisconsin Rapids. Every berry counts not only for the economic part of the business, but also the environmental sustainability aspect of cranberry growing. Cranberry growers need to be environmentally sustainable. Absolutely. We are so interdependent with the wetlands that we are in. Um, the Every acre of cranberry that's production cranberry acres has five and a half acres that are wet, wetland or forest or um, other other land that is nearby that, that helps us keep that production um, wetland that hasn't been converted into cranberry marshes. And the uh, yeah sustainability is, is absolutely key to everything we do. That's even where cranberries got their name, right? The cranes. <laughs> and you can see them flying around enjoying the, the cranberry bogs when they're not, you know, being worked in. Yeah, I always, as a kid, um, would love to, you know, during harvest, rescue all of the frogs. Um, of course, we have millions of frogs and, and so many turtles and all of these other animals. And, and uh, we often have nesting pairs of sandhill cranes. And so we'll watch the crane babies develop over the course of the summer. And they, they stay in their little place, um, learning, watching them learn how to fly. Um, herons and eagles and um, foxes and we have uh, an absolute the, the richest batch of wildlife uh, that, that you can imagine. I want to cap things off here by talking about the Cranberry Research Station or Center. It's it's brand new in Black River Falls. So the Wisconsin Cranberry Research Station has not even had its ribbon cutting ceremony yet because we're still fitting out the lab, but it is brand new. We finished the building in June um, and there's Wi-Fi now so that um, people can can zoom into to meetings or work there. Um, we have a marsh that was a it was previously a commercial cranberry marsh and the research station is very cool. So it's there's a a classroom education facility. There's a few offices for people to do research and for the marsh manager there. There's a lab which is currently be being fitted out by the USDA uh, Ag Research Service. And so that's going to have a laminar flow hood for us to do studies of diseases and it's going to have a freezer for us to do cold tests. Um, and then there's also a cranberry marsh associated with it so that we can do direct research um, that is exactly like commercial set up. Um, it, it's exactly like a commercial uh, farm, except that if we, um, you know, test things out, we don't have to inconvenience growers. Um, nevertheless, that f 
our research farm is going to sustain itself. Um, it, they are also a member of Ocean Spray, so they will sell the fruit that they that we harvest off of the research station to uh, help keep the books balanced. Um, in order to you know have have our research be really really impactful um, and to and to balance the books that way. So we've got. Um, both normal production beds. We also have beds that are specifically genetic testing. So the geneticist at the USDA ARS is uh, Dr. Juan Zalapa. He has um, a bed that has 400 different varieties in it, and we are watching how each one grows and what their um, what their traits are. Um, we also have beds that have bed liners so that we can track um, every drop of water that goes in and out. And we have four identical beds with bed liners to measure uh, water so that we can do uh, water studies and make sure that we're being good of our water as well. That's incredible. All because Wisconsin is number one in the U.S. for cranberry production, supplying half of the world's cranberries. That's Allison John-Jack, Cranberry Outreach Specialist with UW Extension. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.